Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. Joining me today is Rabbi Manus Friedman. Rabbi Friedman comes to us from New York, uh, Minnesota, and currently California. So you're all over the place, Rabbi. All the time. On the road. uh, Just spreading the love and the message. There's something that really resonated with me about what you're doing and the message that you're putting out there to the world. And I might introduce it by saying this, there are principles, we might call them natural laws, eternal laws, or I like the word you picked earlier before the show, truth. And these truths, these principles, allow us to change the outcomes or to have a whole different experience in life. Now, Rabbi, some of your experience has been with with families, with couples, with relationships, and I would really love to get into that conversation with you today. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio. Oh, thank you. I just have one question. All right. How does a shrink help you expand? (laughs) That is a great question. You know, years ago... I mean, you need a different title. This is kind of funny because the word shrink comes up as kind of a pejorative term in the industry of psychology. And they'll call a psychiatrist or a psychologist a shrink, right? Head shrinker. A head shrinker, right. And it comes from that that terribly barbaric tradition of headhunters and... And all of that. And so it has a lot of negative connotations. Well, when I started doing radio, this is years ago, before I ever started the podcast, I had a co-host who called me the shrink who expands your mind. And I thought, okay, not a really big fan of the word shrink, but people use it. And so I'm just going to embrace it and twist it. It's really nice. And so now I'm the drink who expands your life. Yeah, the contrast is fantastic. (laughs) Rabbi, tell us a little bit about you and your journey. What brought you to this point where you are writing books and speaking and teaching and counseling people about relationships? Give us a sense of of the journey that you've traveled. Well, um, in 1970, long, long time ago, some of us remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I invited some college students, women, mm-hmm. to come for a crash course on Jewish philosophy mm-hmm. or the philosophy of Judaism. Yes. 18 women showed up from the Midwest colleges. And instead of speaking about Judaism, we ended up talking about relationships. Because mm-hmm. that's everybody is everybody's there, everybody's struggling with it. <laughs> like everybody has a mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unavoidable. 
So we ended up talking about that. And that became an annual event. So for 50 years, I've been talking to women. I try to talk about other subjects, but it always comes back to relationships. Mm -hmm. So I've learned a little bit of what's going on out there. And most recently, there was a shocking new development that um, motivated the new book, The Joy of Intimacy. Because it seems that we have lost all ability or all understanding of what intimacy is. Ah. And without intimacy in our lives, we feel like shallow, empty shells. Right. Painful, very painful. It's interesting to hear you share that story because I've had so many experiences in my life and in my clinical experience where we set off to talk about some particular topic and then we get back to relationships. It really does seem to be a core of what our human experience is all about. And, and an essential element of what I think would be a joyful life. That's why I'm, I'm queuing into your title here. Joy is included in the title with intimacy. Would you, would you agree, Rabbi, that, that relationships are probably really at the center of our existence? Yeah, there is no joy where there is no intimacy. I'm guessing also that you have a definition of that word intimacy, because I think it gets confused with a lot of different things too. Take us there. Confused and lost. Right. Uh, At the very core, since we, we're, 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 you're always talking about the basics, the core, the essence. At the core of our existence, there's a certain vulnerability which makes us really special, different from the animal. And that vulnerability, which psychology discovered, is not a weakness, but a strength. Mm. The real, the true vulnerability has nothing to do with pain. Not even the ability to handle pain. It itself is a strength. It's not that strong people can handle a little pain. Right. So strong people can afford to be vulnerable, which means take the pain. Mm-hmm. And the, but then the vulnerability is not a strength. Your strength comes from someplace else that makes you able to be vulnerable. But, but the discovery is that vulnerability is a strength. Interesting. That sounds almost paradoxical. Yes. So the true vulnerability that makes us human is not that we can handle pain or disappointment. True vulnerability consists of this, I think, divine sensation. I am not enough for me. 
Hmm. Why is that? If I'm truly capable, if I'm a really talented person, if I am self-sufficient, why wouldn't I be thrilled, ecstatic to be all by myself on an island? Mm-hmm. Why, why is that not perfect? So, well, you get lonely, you need somebody to talk to. No, 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 that's a weakness. If I had no weaknesses, if I was really self-sufficient, would that not be perfect? I need nobody. I depend on nobody. I don't have to consult with anybody. I am me. Perfect. There's there's a lot of interest, I think, out there in the world about that that theme that I am enough. Uh, this word enough gets thrown in there. Uh, self-sufficient, self-reliant. Th- these are terms that are used quite often and usually the most, they're held the most, out there as a, a virtue. The most common one is leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As if you really want to be alone. As if that's even really possible at, at another level. I, I think of this self-sufficiency. And, and Rabbi, I'm a big fan of doing what you can with what you've got, stepping up, contributing in meaningful ways. I'm a big fan of that. But when we get it twisted in our mind to think that somehow I, in and of myself, am enough to uh, to not need anyone else. That's where we get misguided. Yeah. Yes, right. Everyone should be perfect. Mm. But when you get to be perfect, you realize it's not enough. I love this. For a lot of psychological reasons, but there's some... So, some very practical applications of what we're talking about here. In fact, you know what? I had a man in my office not too long ago suffering from clinical depression, really struggling with a lot of things in his life. And he he said this at one point. He said, you know, I just feel like I should be able to do this myself, that I shouldn't need any help from anyone else, right? And I asked him, oh, really? Like... Like what else? What 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 do you do yourself? Do you get dressed in the morning yourself? He's like, of course I do. And then I challenged him. I said, with what? But did you use clothing that you made from materials that you fabricated and fibers that you harvested? And he realized that there were probably a hundred people who helped him get dressed that morning unseen to him, but there nevertheless. And this sense of of fierce independence, I think, is not serving us well when it comes to really experiencing joy. As a non-professional, I can get away with murder. (laughs) I've got no license to lose, so I can do whatever I want. So this person tells me that he's suicidal. Mm I said, okay. He says, that's, that's my problem. I said, what's the problem? 
Kill yourself. <laughs> like, why not? He was he was a little taken aback by that. I'm sure. <laughs> there goes all the drama. <laughs> yeah, you just put a hole in that balloon. I said, give me one good reason you shouldn't kill yourself. Hmm. Now, if you ask the average person that question, what's the answer going to be? I would think that either they're so stuck in their thinking that they say there isn't a good reason, or they'll go to relationships. Yes, somebody needs me. Right. So why wait until you're suicidal <laughs> to come to that realization? <laughs> Maybe we could save a lot of time and pain if we, if we get to the principles behind it. Relationships are part of, I think, our very makeup, our design, who we are. And we are social creatures. And that's important on an economic level, uh, because if you have everything, you don't need to exchange with anyone for anything. But it, it drives our economy. It also drives our psychological well-being. And in the relationship, there are two halves. There's I need you, and there's you need me. Mm -hmm. It turns out you need me is much more important to me than the fact that I need you. I would much rather be needed than needy. Mm -hmm. So the reason I don't kill myself is because somebody needs me. Mm -hmm. And that's the better part of a relationship. That's interesting. And if there's nobody else in your immediate life who needs you, God needs you. Mm. He created you. He stuck with you. <laughs> <laughs> so... You've tied this intimacy, which, which somehow is couched in vulnerability as well. Yes. You've tied this to, to joy, our yes. ability to experience joy. Yes. Yeah. So first, what is the connection between vulnerability and intimacy? Hmm. Obviously, you can't be intimate if you're not vulnerable. Like, right. somebody, like somebody said, safe sex? No, if it's safe, <laughs> if it's safe, it's not sex. <laughs> <laughs> because it implies vulnerability for it to be a joyful experience. Yeah, vulner vulnerable in the sense of hurt. Yeah. But that's like, you know, if it doesn't make crumbs, it's not bread. <laughs> yeah. So if, if it's not dangerous, it's not sex. But the relationship between intimacy and and vulnerability is that they both are essentially the same thing. I'm not enough. That's, that's intimacy. Mm. And that's vulnerability. You know what, Rabbi, you've brought up something that goes contrary sometimes to, to the way we are used to thinking about this. 
And I think that there's some power to it as well. As we get back from this break, let's dig into maybe what some of the practical applications of that could be for our listeners. Does that sound all right to you? That's what we need to do. Everyone, this is Rabbi Manus Friedman at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your positivity to a whole new level? I've been enjoying these conversations with my guests at Live On Purpose Radio. My own story about becoming more positive is something that I've shared in my book, Pathological Positivity. And right now, I'm giving the book away. You just pay for the shipping. Go to drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, and click on the big orange button right there that will get you a free copy of my book. You pay the shipping, I'll pay for the book. Sound like a good deal? Power up your positivity and get ready to see phenomenal changes in your happiness, your relationships, your business, every aspect of life. Enjoy this free gift from me, drpauljenkins.com. And we're back. Rabbi Manus Friedman today at Live On Purpose Radio. I'm loving the conversation. So am I. (laughs) Rabbi, you said earlier that you're not a professional, and then you went on to say a very questionable intervention that you used with a suicidal person yeah um uh, he's still alive by the way <laughs> I, oh good yeah. glad that worked out well yes um, otherwise there could be all kinds of uh, repercussions from that right um i love this conversation there's some paradoxes here and i'm i'm a fan of paradoxes it causes us to stretch our thinking and question sometimes our habitual way of of taking things and you're suggesting here, if I captured this correctly, that maybe we're not enough, contrary to popular media um, trends, you know, everybody saying, you're enough as you are. Well, if you are, then you don't need me or you or anybody else. And so your suggestion is, well, you're not enough. And not only is that okay, that's at the core of how you are going to survive and thrive and experience joy. And maybe we just need to get out of our own way and accept, you know what? I'm good, but I'm not enough without you. And that makes me not only good, but beautiful. Mm. I like that. The beauty in life comes from the fact that we are not enough. <clears throat> yeah. I've got two authorities to quote on that. Oh, yeah? One, yeah, one is the Bible. <laughs> I'm thinking, what authority will a rabbi quote? Right. So the first <laughs> one is a Bible, no surprise there. Uh-huh. God says, in the, in the process of creation, God says, it is not good that man alone exists. Right. Surprise, surprise, because we would have thought otherwise. <laughs> yes. We would have thought, leave me alone. I'll handle it. I don't need you. I'm perfect. And God comes along and says, no, that's not good. 
That's not good. You're sharing this at a time, we're recording this podcast at a time when my wife is traveling. She's away from me right now. And I, I hear you quote that scriptural verse about, it's not good for man to be alone. And I'm like, yeah, right? And for no reason. I mean, this is a perfect example. Your wife is out of town. You miss what? Mm-hmm. Oh, I could, I could give you a list of the ways that she completes or fulfills my existence. Just by being. Right. Not by doing. I can cook my own meals. Can you? I can clean my own house. What a guy. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And I still so her. when your wife is out of town, you miss her. Her. Not something about her. Right. Just her. Yes. That is intimacy. And sex used to be intimate, but it's not anymore. Because it's just become a thing, not a person. It's almost a product or a commodity that you can get cheaply on the internet. And if you do that, you're actually abusing each other. Right. Because if you use someone, that's abuse. You don't use a person. Even if it's mutual, so you're mutually abusing. Oh, how does that make it better? Now two people are doing the wrong thing. (laughs) And the main thing is, they will each feel completely alone in the world. It's true. Here's my second authority. Okay. Billy Joel. (laughs) Piano man. Uh Uh-huh. There's an incredible line in that song. They are sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's it's better than drinking drinking alone. alone. Loneliness we can survive. Alone can't do it. The plague of today, people feel alone. That's not life. And the reason they feel alone, even in successful marriages, that came as a shock. That's why I wrote the second book. The one thing that marriage is supposed to fix is the aloneness. Right. That's the, that's the main objective, the main purpose of marriage. Don't ever be alone again. And if marriage doesn't make you feel connected and not alone, it's because there's no intimacy. You're not married to each other. You are married to certain perks. You're married to certain things you like about each other, but you don't have each other. So you're alone in the world with a bunch of things. Like an improved tax status. No, it's worse than that. Mm -hmm. You're married to the love, not to the person you love. And, And that is counter to the intimacy. That is non intimate. It's pornography. It destroys it. Yep. And yet the media encourages it, right? promotes it, 
glamorizes it. Everybody marries out of love. So here's another uh, <laughs> another reckless thing to say. This couple come to me and they say, we love each other very much. We want to get married. Will you do the wedding? I said, you love each other. You can't get married. It's too late. <laughs> if you love ah. each other and you're getting married for love, what do you need the marriage for? <laughs> you raise eyebrows sometimes, don't you? Yeah. Your objective is love. <laughs> And you already have it. Why bother getting married? People don't always ask those questions. But if you do any marriage counseling, you know, love is destroying marriages. And interesting, love and love and sex. Love and sex are destroying marriages because they're both things. And they're both things that can be enjoyed within intimacy, but neither of them represents intimacy. Right. Because sex keeps you apart. Sex does not bond people. And the proof of it is, without getting too vulgar, Mm. after being intimate or having sex, you ask each other, so how was it? Hmm. How was it? Like there was no it. There was just us. Store. Right. It was just us. Who's the it? Right. So it's like a love triangle. There was me, there was you, and there was it. How was it? Interesting. And the fact that you have to ask, what does that prove? That you weren't there. You weren't there. You weren't there. You were in your world. Your spouse, your partner was in another world. And now you have to compare notes. This did not bond you. This separated you. Mm. And the same is true with love. Marry me. I love you. But that means just give me the love. Keep the rest. (laughs) I don't want to hear your opinion and your moods and your... Just just the love, okay? Just the love. That's why my first book, I wanted it to be called Shut Up, I Love You. <laughs> because in most bad marriages, it's, I do love you. If you would just shut up. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to have an opinion. You have to have a personality. <laughs> I didn't marry you for that. Who is this person that's emerging in yes. this whole thing? Yeah, and that's why when the love is gone, the person doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. What are you doing in my house? Get out. In a few minutes here, before we wrap up this conversation, which I think we could could go on for a while. Yes. You and I are both philosophers. (laughs) And you want to get to something practical. Uh, And the practical part... As our listeners are tuning in to this conversation that we're having, I think it comes back around to okay, so what? Okay. So what do? How do I apply this? What do I do, Rabbi? Where would you take us with that? Okay. The first thing is the way to not be alone, and this is just simple. You know, two and two is four. 
<laughs> if you don't want to be alone and you can't afford to be alone because it destroys your immune system, mm -hmm. if you don't want to be alone, the solution is bring some other into your life. Hmm. Not some love, some other, someone other than you. As a whole person. And other means they don't always agree with you. They better they have their not. own, right. They have their own needs. That's an but, other. Otherwise, it's a clone. And that doesn't sound very interesting. Not at all. It leaves you alone. Well, if all you have is a clone, you're still alone. Right. So it's the parts that make the person different from you. That's the part you need most. Yes. And therefore, stop with the love. Bring back some respect. I think the whole Me Too movement mm -hmm. is a result of the 60s where we agreed, men and women agreed, to stop respecting intimacy. Yeah. To enjoy it, but not respect it. Free love. Mm -hmm. Free. Free. Meaning free of significance, free of importance, free of commitment, free. Recreational sex is pornography. Whether or not it's in a marriage. Yes. So here's some very practical, very practical. Pornography introduced intimacy with the lights on. Remember I Love Lucy? Mm -hmm. You don't remember, but you must have seen. I remember. Reruns. <laughs> really? Separate beds. And always turn off the light. Right. Right, you turn off the lamp, now you're being intimate. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is, if you want to turn your sex life back into intimacy, the way it's supposed to be, turn the lights off. Turn all sounds off. No music, no television in the background. Mm -hmm. There should be no sound and no talking. Just imagine, you see nothing, you hear nothing, and you say nothing. Where does your mind go? Hmm. Away from things to the person you're with. The person. Hmm. Right. The thing you don't see. You can't see personhood. No. You can see a body. Right. But the person is in there somewhere. Right. So if you want to be intimate, meaning you want to connect to a person so that you're not alone in the world, then get past the things. Yes. Like your grandmother would tell you, <laughs> what happens in the bedroom? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. When do you get past all things? That's a heavenly experience. Wow. That is profound. It's powerful. It's going to take a little bit of thinking. 
Rabbi, you're also educating people about this concept. And as an author, let's let's go back to that real quick before we wrap up, can we? It's called Joy of Intimacy. And intimacy, the way you've defined it here in this conversation. And I understand that you are willing to make that available to our audience here today. There's a link. It's it's good to know.org forward slash gift. Did I get that right, Rabbi? Yeah, it's it's ITS good to know.org. Right. And then a little forward slash gift. You can connect to the rabbi's book there, Joy of Intimacy. Rabbi, as we wrap up this conversation, is there a final thought that you want to share with our audience before we sign off? Yes. Respect for each other is more important than love. Respect. Because, <clears throat> because without respect, we immediately start to abuse each other. So <clears throat> one of the things is you got you to gotta watch your tone with your spouse. Mm-hmm. My parents would never call each other from across the house. You want to talk to your wife, go to where she is and talk to her like a human being. Don't shout from across the house. And certainly not, come over here. Mm-hmm. Where are you? That, you don't even want to talk to your dog like that. Right. We're so careless because we're not encouraged to respect each other. We're encouraged to lower our standards. Once we're married, we don't have to be nice. We don't have to be respectful. We don't have to be, because, you know, we're married. We can do whatever we want. Right. We can be at our worst. So, you know, every father says to his daughter, you can't go out dressed like that. Mm. See, we got it backwards. If you're going to dress like that, go out. Not in the house. Where the ultimate of respect should be. Make the house your center. Yeah. How you behave in your house is so much more important than how you behave in the stadium. So if you want to run around naked, do it in the stadium. Please go out there to do it. Out (laughs) there. Yes, yes. Rabbi, thank you so much for your contributions today to our conversation. Such a pleasure. Because I think this is really a public service. Absolutely. This is not psychology. This is life. And you don't mess with life. Potentially life-saving, too, as you said earlier. Folks, you've heard it. It's, It's time for all of us now to go live on purpose. This is Rabbi Manus Friedman at Live on Purpose Radio. We'll catch you on the next episode.